Good morning again. Welcome if you just joined us online. Uh, interesting days. Uh, the Bible talks about living in perilous times. And um, one of the things I, I shared, we had a gathering the other night and uh, just shared that it, it, none of us saw this coming. None of us would anticipate this. Uh, a letter I wrote to the church that I put out yesterday that um, interesting how things change and shift. But we know one thing that as we studied recently in the book of Hebrews, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can get, we can just draw great, great comfort from that gang. We're going to talk about that this morning as we look at Ephesians again, and we look at life in perilous times and uh, wonderful, wonderful instruction from God's word on how we do this. And, And Ephesians 1, written to demonstrate the Apostle Paul showing us what we have in Christ. We've looked at that for a couple of weeks now, that what it is to be in Christ. And I'll tell you, that makes the difference. That one statement, if your life is hidden in Christ, if you are in him and he is in you, then you can actually do well in perilous times. We've looked at so far in the first 14 verses of Ephesians, we looked at the will of the Father and then the work of the Son and the witness of the Spirit. Uh, interesting, as we've looked at that, Paul in the, the benediction, he opens with the first couple of verses and then verses 3 through 14. He is essentially, it's, he breathes out one long sentence and he's essentially illuminating for us the work of the Trinity, the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and their place in our lives as God's will is revealed and Jesus is the one who carries out, who carried out his work and the Holy Spirit is the one who applies that to our lives. Today we're going to look at four things as we look at uh, the rest of this chapter. We looked at verses, we're going to look at verses 15 through 23. We're going to look at priorities and that's and essentially we're going to see how these build. Having the right priorities leads to having perspective, a healthy perspective. Uh, and having the right perspective leads to walking out our purpose. Uh, and it, this, of course, if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you know that the Bible is not a self-help program. It's not, you know, let me give you a formula and then you get, you, you fix yourself up and you improve yourself and, and, and then you're good. Know what he is calling us constantly to is greater reliance upon him. And it's through the power of his spirit working in us that as we access that power, that we actually can do well. So uh, we're going to look at priorities, perspective, purpose, and power as we go through this morning. Now, I want to read through the whole passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Uh, this is, and, and essentially, Paul launches into the Apostle Paul. Uh, I love, it's not the only time he does it here in Ephesians. He, he does it further on. But it's like he's teaching along and he either begins to worship or he begins to pray. And I love that about him, the spontaneity of it. And so this is Paul's prayer for us, for the church. And so 
for the church at Ephesus then, for us by application now. And so I'm going to go through the whole passage and then we'll come back and take a look at it. He, he writes in verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That And here's the prayer. That God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What a beautiful passage that is. And uh, I just want to look at this a little bit closer now. Uh, first thing, as we're looking at priorities, these are these are interesting days. It's just all of a sudden things are shifted. All of a sudden things are different. And, and, and if we're not careful, I know for me, I can start getting so obsessed with watching the news and, and, and taking this stuff in and, and, and all of that, that I find myself starting to get worked up on the inside and starting to... to to fret a bit and, and to just because there are a lot of questions out there right now. We don't know how far this thing is going to go. We don't know to what extent it's the, the, this contagion is going to go. And, and, and it's, there are a lot of question marks out there. We're concerned, a concern for our families, concerned for, uh, as I mentioned, the great concern that we've had for the people in this church and why we have shut the doors for a, a period of time and gone to doing it online because we have a responsibility to those around us. There's a difference between being concerned and being fearful. We're going to look at that. So as we first look at this, we look at, I want to look at priorities. What are our priorities in our life? Uh, Verse 15, the apostle Paul says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, Uh, as I'm looking at this, he's talking about faith and love. And and in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, we read this. Uh, Paul says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails, literally counts for anything, but faith working through love. There are those two coupled again. The point is it's not what you do for Christ. It's not about circumcision. It's not about works. It's not about all of that. It's not what you do for him, but it's who you are in him, in Christ. There's that term. And so, and yet, and we're going to look at it more when we get to chapter two, as we look at who we are in Christ, as we are walking by faith in Christ, that will indeed shape what we do for Christ, walking in love towards others. So he's talking about two things here. Their faith and love were evidence of their participation in the great work of God that was going on there in Ephesus. And so it helped them to understand their priorities. In the midst of difficulty, these people were not having, they didn't have an easy life. 
this is late in the first century, past the midpoint in the 60, 61 or so. Great persecution was beginning to break out and it would continue to get worse. The people would want to hang on the things that they knew about God and the, the work that they understood about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives because life was tough. It was a different kind of tough then than the kind of tough that we have, but truly life was tough. And Paul writes this to encourage these people in Ephesus. One of the things that I I look at, as I mentioned, there's a difference between being concerned and being fearful. And and the question comes up, are you fearful? Are you afraid uh, of what's going on? Are you gripped with fear? Are you feeling the chaos? Are you, or is that impacting you in a way that you're wound up and, and you're just tense about these things? Uh, truly, this is not something that caught God by surprise. These things that we're facing are not things that are outside of the sphere of his influence and his control. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the way that things are as we go along here, because we live on a fallen world, and it will never be until Jesus takes the title deed back, it will never be anything but fallen. And, and disease is part of it. I, I found an amazing translation, an amazing uh, definition uh, for some stuff that we'll share in a few minutes. But uh, truly, First John chapter 4 says, perfect love casts out fear. And as we understand the love that God has for us, as we understand the magnitude, the sheer depth of love that God has for us, we can understand that our lives are held in his hands. We can understand that there is nothing outside of that that can affect us that he doesn't allow. And that's just great reassurance. It's great comfort in the midst of perilous times. Essentially, when we look at this, he's saying... Uh, you guys are doing good. You're, you're, you're walking by faith, you're trusting the Lord, and you're loving others. Uh, and first, uh, going on in, in verse 15, he says, And I, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I've heard what was going on there in Ephesus, and my response has been twofold. I'm continually thanking God for you. And I'm continually praying for you. These are both in an ongoing tense. It's not something that he's saying, I prayed and I thanked. No, he's saying, I am continually. Uh, Wonderful. Why? Because Ephesians, your your priorities are right. And that's that's the point. He's saying you have your priorities aligned with the Lord. And, And as we have our priorities aligned with him in our lives, it's a good thing to understand these things, to be trusting him, to be loving others, that's having our priorities right. So three questions come to mind. Uh, Let's talk about the coronavirus for a minute. I mean, we're not going to ignore the elephant in the room. I mean, that's sort of the point of this morning's message because I need encouragement like anyone else. We're human and sometimes these things knock us off our pins. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by circumstances. Sometimes we might look at our children and, and worry. We look at mom and dad or uh, others in our lives that are particularly at risk to this thing. Because by and large, most people, if they get this virus, will recover. And yet there are high-risk groups that are, uh, 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 that there's an extreme danger there. And so 
as we look at this, the first question I have is, do you trust that God has this? It's a good question, and it's one that we need to ask. Do I truly, in my heart of hearts, do I truly trust that God has this, that this is something that I can trust him for? That's a good question. It will affect the way that you work out living in these days. The second is, do you trust that your life is in his hands? Yeah, I mean, I've got this uh, website that I've been looking at for weeks that, uh, from Johns Hopkins University. It talks about all the, the stuff that's going on with this virus worldwide, and it, it's definitely a global thing. And, and you know, it, it has the amount of people that are sick and the amount of people that have died. And, you know, I look at the news, and, and so far, there's just been a lot of really bad news, not a lot of good news. And we're being told it could get worse and uh, likely will before it gets better and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, do I trust, trust that my life is in his hands, that I'm in him? The third question that bears asking is, do you truly believe that in the midst of all of this, that God wants to use you to pour his love out on others? That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you're trusting the Lord and you're loving others. That's part of what it is. That's what our witness is about, guys. That's how we communicate the love of Christ, very often through adversity. And as I mentioned, when, when life gets tough, God's church gets strong. And, and, and church, this is a time for us to stand up, to understand that the answer to those three questions really defines who we are and what we're about in the midst of these days. Interesting, as we talk about loving others, Most of us, if you've been around the church for a while, you know what agape love is. It's sacrificial love. It's a love that says, I'm I'm not going to concern myself with me. I'm going to concern myself with you. Uh, I I was praying this morning while we were worshiping. I just so loved our worship time this morning. And and, and yeah, one of the only guys that gets to hear it live. But the point is, I was just thinking, Lord, thank you for faithful servants. We have a skeleton crew here today uh, in the church and and people that are setting aside their own lives and, and setting aside their own interests to come because they love you. Why? Because they know that God loves them and they want to be used in perilous times. That's really part of what happens with us as a church. And I praise God for it. So the first thing we looked at uh, was was priorities The next thing we want to look at is perspective. In verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I read this this week, uh, way early on in the week, as I was beginning to get into my mind the things we're going to look at today. And I just said, Lord, this is just such a perfect passage for the things that we face right now. You want us to have a heavenly perspective. You want us to understand that this stuff, yeah, as my priorities are getting aligned with you, as I'm I'm, I'm casting off the fear and trusting you more, that you want to affect my perspective. You want to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. So you're walking by faith, you're trusting the Lord. Out of that, you're loving others, and your priorities then are becoming aligned with his The question then becomes, what is your perspective in this thing? Do you see this life through the lens of the world? 
Or do you see this life through the lens of the kingdom, through the lens of the word of God, through the lens of the fact that Jesus has this? There's great comfort in that. I'll tell you what, one of the things that happens when people's lives are pressed in, when there's a calamity, when there is something that goes on like this, it's a time for us to stand up and to be willing to extend the love of God to others, to, for, to be willing to be the person that is just at peace in the middle of the storm. Not always easy. Life hits us. I understand that we're human. And yet drawing on his power, we'll get to that in a bit, drawing on his power, we can be that beacon of hope in the middle of this messed up, screwed up, upside down world that we're living in. And it's getting it's getting stranger by the day. Uh, if you'd asked me even a week ago that I'd be standing here in an empty church talking to you online, I, I'd have thought, well, that's just kind of ludicrous. Yeah, we kind of talked about it. We've been talking about this for weeks. And, you know, what if this? What if that? And yet, as somebody said recently, it is what it is. And what we do with it, how we interact with these circumstances means everything. Are you willing to be used in the middle of this? Do you see life through the lens of the world? I mentioned the other night we had, a, again, we had a gathering. I said, what's this run on toilet paper all about? Don't people realize it's not that kind of flu? I mean, it's just craziness out there. I heard a commentator say, well, the run on toilet paper was because people heard other people were doing it. And my wife was at the, the grocery store the other day and the shopping carts were lined up for checkout to the back of the store and the shelves were getting empty. She sent me some photos as she went through because it was remarkable. And, and yet we know that supply chains are down and they're not looking at coming back quickly. We know that things are getting scarce out there because people are fearful I understand that, but I also understand that that we serve a God who is over all and that we of all people can be the people that can say, can I share with you something about, about the Lord Jesus? Can I share with you about the source of ultimate peace in my life? And you can have this peace, you can have this assurance that absolute worst case scenario, I get this virus and God takes me home Worst case scenario is I'm going to wake up looking right into the eyes of Jesus, that I'll be spending eternity with him, that this whole life I will have cast off. That's why the apostle Paul could say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so as we look at perspective here, yeah, we want to have our priorities aligned with his. We want to have the right perspective as we go through these things. And as we look at the perspective that Paul lays out here, that he would give us the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's what it's about. That's where our perspective comes from. As he goes on in verse 18, he says, he prays the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. He, he gives the perspective. It's his word that enlightens us. I can't tell you how many times I sit down to study his word, to open it up and say, bread of heaven, feed my soul. And that as that takes place, that there's just a calm that comes upon me. It's the Holy Spirit working in me. And he wants to do that work. As we look at these things, as we look at the coronavirus and all that's going on out there, there are answers in his word. 
I, I want to take a minute and get a bit of a biblical perspective on this thing because I think it's important. Uh, I'm going to look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to go through a couple of verses there, and then we're going to look at Matthew 24. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I think it's important that we understand a biblical perspective of the things that we're seeing. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, what he's talking about there is you go all the way back to Genesis. You go all the way back to the fall of man. That when God, after, after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God confronted them there, they had covered their nakedness, and he had to go looking for them and, and all, and, and, and God curses man. And he cursed the man, he cursed the woman, and he cursed the ground. That's when the earth was subjected to futility. But he didn't leave it there. He says he subjected it to futility in hope. What does that mean? What it means is it's not going to always be that way. What it means is that at the end of this thing, there is hope. And it doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how overwhelming it seems. There is always hope. And as we hang on to that, our perspective improves. So he says he's subjected in hope uh, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption in the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs and together until now. What he's talking about is labor and the creation itself groans. Why? Because it's subjected to futility. We live on a fallen planet. And if you want to understand this, is like, well, why is God doing this disease? Why is he letting, you know, why are there starving people? Yeah. And you could answer all, or ask all of those questions. And the answer to them is here in God's word. We live on a fallen planet. The creation itself was subjected to futility. It has been in the, in the hands of the evil one since the garden. It won't always be. That's hope. And yet where we are living now is on a fallen planet. We're surrounded by fallen people. Very often we're seeing evil that's unfolding in ways that we never thought we'd imagine. We see people doing crazy things. And yet we know that that's what he said would be the case because of the fall. And so as we look at this, he says, with birth pains together until now, the Greek word there is sunodino. It means labor pains. It means to suffer. And it's in the plural there because he's talking about the entire creation. And, and so as we look at that, as we look at this labor pains thing, Paul talks about it there in Romans chapter eight, but he also, not he, but Jesus talks about labor pains in Matthew 24. Again, living on a fallen planet, the subjected to futility, we understand that it's groaning, that, it, that it, there's a longing in the heart of God to set things right. And yet for a while, we live in a world that's not right. We look out, we see this, this virus, this disease, and, and it, the world is set up on edge right now. The whole planet. And, and I'm not making light of it. People are dying out there. And yet there is a perspective, by having our priorities right, by having the right perspective, we can understand these things. And a biblical perspective is all important to understand why we're seeing what we're seeing. It's, it, it makes me kind of nuts inside when I see people blame God for things that are going on because we live on a fallen world. 
In Matthew chapter 24, excuse me, in verses 3 through 8, we're going to look at that. Um, by the way, we're not doing slides. I sent out a remind this morning to everybody in the church that uh, we're not doing the slides that we normally do. So I would encourage you, have your Bible handy when we're doing these studies. It's just important that um, it's like, wow, what a concept. I remember for years, I just had my paper Bible. I know Harvey likes to give me a hard time about that uh, by having the old, the, the standard. Uh, at any rate, Matthew 24, Jesus, this is during the Olivet, it's called the Olivet Discourse, uh, and it says, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, verse 4 of Matthew 24, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Gang, don't get deceived by these things. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Underscore that, folks. He's saying, when you see the signs of the end of the age, don't be troubled. He's got this. For all these things must come uh, to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. That's ethnos and Basileia. We'll talk about it in a moment. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows there is the same root word as we looked at for birth pains in Romans. And, and it's the same word. It's, it means labor. It means travail. Uh, when we look at, when he says that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, the word nation there is ethnos, and what it means is a tribe or a people or an ethnic group. It's where we get the word ethnic from. The word kingdom against kingdom, the word kingdom there is basileia. It means a geographical area under political rule. So we see ethnic groups against ethnic groups. You see that a lot. There's a lot going on out there with different groups. You see about, you hear about ethnic cleansing and all of that. And then you hear about things like the, the uh, Islamic caliphate, which transcends borders. It's a group of people and so on and so on. Uh, not going to get into all that. But the point is, is that we see these things. They're birth pangs. They're signs. And what happens with birth pangs? They get more intense and closer together. We're seeing what's happening. These things are signs of the end of the age. And, and folks, when we look at pestilence here, I, and I was kind of blown away by this, but not really. I mean, it was just like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, I copied and pasted the definition for pestilence. I didn't have to write it out uh, when I was looking at the original language. And it literally means a widespread contagious disease. That's pestilence. It's in the Bible. And we're looking at a global, widespread, contagious, highly contagious disease. You can catch it just by sitting next to somebody that's breathing. And we're looking at that in our day. It's a, it's a reality in our time. And it doesn't escape me that Jesus talked about this here. It's important that we understand that we have a biblical perspective. That's the point. When he talks about the beginning of sorrows, it's the same root word, the word Odin, as we looked at in Romans 8.22. 
When he says that the creation was subjected to futility and hope, we see, and I'm not going to go there, but in Revelation chapter 5, there's a beautiful uh, scene there in the throne room of heaven itself where John the apostle has been taken there. He's been giving these apocalyptic things. Uh, He's seeing things unfold. and, And John is taken to the throne room of God. And it says that, uh, that uh, it, there was a scroll and he began to weep because no one was found that was worthy to take the scroll and to unloose its seals. It had seven seals on the scroll. That scroll is a title deed to the earth because when Jesus died on the cross, he bought the right to the title deed, but he has not yet taken it. So you could look at it sort of as the, the, the earth has been in escrow for a while. Uh, so, but the point is, is that John begins to weep and then one is a lamb who was slain. I mean, having the marks of slaughter on him, the Lord Jesus comes up and takes the scroll to the earth. At that point, the hope that we're looking for is carried out. He takes the title to the earth back. At that point, judgment begins to be poured out on the earth. Wrath is poured out because God is cleansing the earth to renew it and to refresh it to what it was like before the fall. So we see in the scheme of these things that that God is truly in control. His word gives us perspective on why these things are happening. He gives us perspective on our attitude towards them as our priorities are lined up. And as we look at this in verse 18 here, he says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his, the glory of his inheritance of the saints? So we have priorities, we have perspective, and now I want to look at purpose. What is our purpose in this? He says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Paul wanted them to know this. This is our purpose, to know God. It's not, our purpose is not to figure out this disease. Our purpose is not to be hooked on television news and and chewing our fingernails down to nothing. Our purpose is that we could know him and thereby know the hope of his calling, which is rooted in the present, yet has its perspective on the future. That's what hope, when hope, when you see hope, it looks to the future. It's the hope that we have. But what it does is it affects us in the present. It gives us an understanding and a sense of purpose for the now as we fix our hope on then. So the believer has a glorious future of resurrection eternal life, freedom from the power, the penalty, and the presence of sin. Yes, we can be in this life. Part of understanding the gospel is that we can be freed from the penalty of sin. As believers, we can be freed from the power of sin in our lives. And when we're there, when he wraps all of this up, when we go to be with the Lord, we will be free from the presence of sin forever. What a glorious truth. Our purpose is found in our hope. They're linked together. Uh, These truths shape our hope and purpose in this life now. Interesting, if you look at humanistic philosophy, the message to man is know yourself. And yet the gospel meets man with a far more glorious message. And it's this, Know your God. You want to have an easier ride through perilous times? Know him. And if you already know him, know him more. Turn off the television. Not right now. But turn off the television. Turn off the computer. 
Spend some time in his word. Understand his love for you. Understand the magnitude of his will for your life. Understand that he doesn't want us walking around here being all messed up and sideways. He wants us to be dwelling in the light as he is in the light. He wants us to be children of the light. And as such, we have effect on a dark and darkening world. So we've looked at this priorities, perspective, purpose, and then power. Verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We have power. Like I said, this isn't self-help. This isn't, well, I'm going to just go figure out a formula so I can walk around and act like I'm okay. No, these are things that impact us in the core of our being and and understanding that I can't change myself. I can't make it okay. I'm not going to sit there and lie to myself and and act like things are good when they're perilous things. There's danger. There's things going on. And yet I can access the power of the Holy Spirit and experience his peace. He calls it the peace that passes understanding on purpose. It might go against what you see. It might go against how you feel. It probably will. But you can have a settledness in your heart, a settledness in your life through accessing the power that only he gives. And it's the same power, he says here, that raised Jesus from the dead. And if it can raise a guy from the dead, yes, Jesus, the God-man, if that power can raise him from the dead, do you think that perhaps that power could come to bear in your life and help you weather the storm. I think so. Here's something that Charles Spurgeon said about this power. He says, many Christians do not know this power or they only know it from a distance. God wants resurrection life to be real in the life of every believer. The very same power which raised Christ is waiting to raise the drunkard from his drunkenness, to raise the thief from his dishonesty, to raise the Pharisee from his self-righteousness, to raise the Sadducee from his unbelief. I would add the power to live in the face of potential calamity and know that we know that the very same power is available to and within us. That's great news. When he says that he seated him at his right hand, that means the work is done. All we need to do, folks, I'll tell you what, church, avail yourself of his power. He says, you know, if if you ask me for a fish, I'm not going to give you a snake. If, If you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit when you simply ask? That's his revealed will for your life and mine. If you belong to Christ, if you don't belong to Christ and you're looking, you're watching this morning or you're looking at this recorded online, you can solve that with a very simple prayer. And it's something like this, Lord, I realize that I've lived my life for myself. I realize that I need you. I don't just want you. I need you in my life. I need the stability that that Pastor John's talking about here. I need to understand that my priorities have been skewed and have been earthly. I, I understand, Lord, that I need to have a renewed purpose in my life. I turn from the old life. I turn from that life of sin that I've lived away from you. I ask you to forgive me for that. And I ask, Lord, come into my life, come into my heart. 
And I will tell you what, folks, that is a miraculous, supernatural thing that if you are humble enough to, to make that prayer, he is faithful. And he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. That power that I'm talking about will be available to you. It's not about, we've talked about, it's not about intellect. It's about revelation. He will reveal himself to you in ways that will blow you away. Just completely amazing the work that he does when somebody is willing to bow the knee and to say yes to Jesus, to trust that he went to that cross for us. Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age which is to come. Our lives are in his hands because he is far above anything that we face. When he's talking about uh, the uh, power and dominion and all of that, he's talking about uh, angelic beings. There were both loyal and lethal angelic beings that are over this thing. The unseen world is what he's talking about. And we as Christians are plugged into the unseen world. That's part of what walking by faith is. And as we exercise that faith, guess what? It gets stronger. And as we walk with him and as we avail ourselves of his power, we're able to face the storm. It says that in verse 22 that he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's us, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. He is the head. This is the first time. And he goes further using this metaphor of, of, of the church being as though we're a body. And it's one body with many parts. We'll get into that in a future study. And yet, essentially, he's saying that we are the body. We are the body of Christ. That's the church. He is the head. I'm glad that he's in control. And that's what's, that's what's being pointed out in this. The fullness of him who fills all in all. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. It's not about what we see. Because I'll tell you what, these days, if you're walking by sight, it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be fearful. It's, it's going to be anxious. And yet, we of all people, again, have this power available to us that we can actually relax and let go. I think I was looking at Psalm 46 yesterday and and looking at 46, Psalm 46, verse 10. He says, relax. He says, be still and know that I am God. Uh, And that word be still means relax and let go. Be still. Is your heart troubled this morning? Are you fearful? Are you, are you anxious? Be still. Know that he's God. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. He's over this whole thing. Great comfort in that. So as we have been looking at this chapter, we're looking at four things, priorities, loving and trusting God. That's faith. That's walking by faith, loving others. That's fulfilling the great commandment. Jesus gave the, he says, you know, look, understand they, they, they said, what's the greatest commandment? The, the religious guys came. They didn't, weren't interested in an answer, but he gave them a great answer anyway that we benefit from. And they said, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, love God and love others. When Paul is talking to the Ephesians here, he's saying, I'm seeing that you're loving God and you're loving others. You're fulfilling the great commandment. And how do you fulfill it? By, by walking in love. Love for him and love for them. 
So as we've looked at priorities, we want to have our priorities aligned with him. It's so important, gang, that, that we understand that there is a heavenly priority in the midst of all of this. And that there's rest on the other side of that. The other thing is that we have perspective. It comes from knowing him more. Uh, from knowing his love for me. Have you thought about how much he loves you lately? Have you just sat and dwelt on the fact that he loves you with, with a love that you will never quite figure out in this life? And, and yet I've mentioned before that I will take every bit of that I can get. I know that I am loved by him. I know that I am in the beloved. I love him because he loved me first. That's what the Bible says. So as we gain perspective in these things, we understand that it's about seeking his mind. It's about understanding that he wants to transform our minds. He wants to give us the spirit of revelation and wisdom in these things. That's what he is about. So as I seek his mind and I understand his ways, it produces courage in the face of adversity. You can actually walk away from this study in a a more courageous place than when you got here because you're accessing the things that God's revealed will are for you. The third thing we looked at is purpose and that purpose is shaped by my priorities and my perspective. To live as Christ, to die as gain, he will use me in the midst of the storm. I understand that I want to be used. I want for my light to so shine that people see him in my life, to direct people to him, to comfort, uh, to, to understand the comfort that he brings me that I can offer to others and, and, and to be involved and to be the person that's extending the hope that he brings to them. As I mentioned, this is not self-help. The, the, the last thing we looked at here is power. It's the only way to live this life. It's by accessing his resurrection power. Yeah, he died for my sins. That's absolutely essential to understand that he took the wrath of God for every thought, word, and deed that I ever will commit. And yet there's more. He rose from the dead to give us power to give us resurrection power. Because when he rose from the dead, I now, by simple faith in him, am a cleansed vessel. And as such, the spirit of God can come in and take up residence in my life. And I can access that power freely. You don't have to, it's not about, you know, I did enough Hail Mary, I did whatever. It's not about that. It's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. No, it's about simply having a new life and walking in newness of life and and understanding that his will for me is that I have the power to live now. That this life is more than this earth. Great comforts. Great assurances. As we looked at this, we've priorities, perspective, purpose, and power. Finally, something that's not on the the slide that I made for this morning. The result of all of that, peace. You can have peace. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of this tribulation, in the middle of this global pandemic, you can have a genuine peace. And I'll tell you what, folks, I, I worked in the advertising business for about 45 years. And if there's anything that will advertise, and I don't, I don't do bumper stickers on my car because I, it's just a personal thing. If you do, that's fine. I don't care. But I, I, I just don't, I, I don't want to feel like I'm marketing Jesus. Uh, 
And yet if there's anything that will advertise Christ in my life, it's the fact that I have peace in the middle of the storm. It's the fact that I've trusted him for the outcome. Regardless of the outcome, I'm trusting him. And you can have the same thing this morning. You can have the same thing facing an uncertain tomorrow. Whether there's a pandemic or not, all of our tomorrows are uncertain. The only thing we're assured of is right now. Uh, I remember one time I was teaching in the book of Romans at a church in California, and and I had just finished saying, we don't know what our life's going to look like by the time we hit that door when we leave here tonight. And the phone rang in the middle uh, of of the study, the, the Bible study there, and, and someone said, John, you need to take this. And I said, I'm kind of teaching right now. I'll get to it. And they said, no, you need to take it. And there had been a horrible accident. Our kids were uh, severely injured and, and you know, four life flights and all kinds of things going on. We had no idea. But folks, we can have a settled peace in the middle of life's storms by simply understanding that he's got it and that he wants to use me in the midst of it. That's what God's will is for us in this thing. That's how we can face an uncertain tomorrow. That's how we can live in perilous times. Repeat the advice that I gave a little earlier. Turn off the news for a while, just for a while. I'm not saying be uninformed. That's not not it at all. But turn it off. Open your Bible. Understand that God has things for us to teach us through these circumstances. He has ways to grow us in the midst of them. He has assurances he wants to bring as we're concerned about parents or children or job or school. I mean, there's a lot of sideways weird stuff going on out there. And as we spend time with him, there's a clarity that comes that we can face it knowing that we don't face it alone. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these things, as we look at perilous times, these days that we live in, and as we look at this beautiful passage in Ephesians and see here, Lord, that you want to just impart these things to us, that you want to grow us through these things, that you want to comfort us through these things, that you want to illuminate yourself, you want to give us wisdom and discernment and understanding. So I pray, Father, for each person uh, within the sound of my voice that, that you would do that work in us, that you would find people whose hearts are open and yielded, willing to be exposed to the transforming power of the gospel. And Father, I, I just, again, we come before you, we pray for safety. We pray that as we're cautious, as we're diligent in the days ahead, that you would just watch over your people, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would just work in ways in us that we never would have thought of even a month ago. We commit ourselves afresh to you, Lord, and to your purposes. We don't fully understand what those are yet in this, but we know that they're good, that you're always good, that you're always loving, that you're always there to extend a hand. We thank you for who you are, and for the stability that we find in you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you guys. Let's worship the Lord.